how our spirit man could probably sing for hours, yet our body wants to sit or check out. I know I'm not saying it's wrong to sit. I'm just saying it has a tendency to not want to, you know, do the length. I remember back in the armory when the glory was falling in the 90s, early 20s, 2000. We would do three to six hours of praise and worship. Three to six hours. And when we were done after that, and I would preach another hour and a half, and then we'd do more praise and worship, when I would want to leave, we would have young women, young ladies, and young men stay in the church building until the evening service started again. Never would go home. In fact, there were some, even when we left at the end of the second service at night, We'd have to pick them up off the floor, put them in the car or the van, and take them to their house. They couldn't even get up off the floor and walk. I'm talking 12, 15 hours the whole day. And the glory was so strong. We would have delivery guys come to the building and weep at the door and give their life to Christ. Nobody even share the gospel with them. They would just come to the door and weep. I had, a, I had a young guy, he said, I said, how'd you get here? He says, I was driving down Detroit Road. I was following this car and God, I heard a voice say, follow that car wherever it goes, you go. Came to the building where we were in the armory. Walked in the door, started weeping and gave his life to Christ. That young man today is a professor at Talbot University. A professor. Listen, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You know, we've been having the Indonesian church, you know, meeting in here, you know, off and on for the last three years, two or three years. And because of COVID, they stopped meeting and now they're meeting, they started up again. And the new pastor that's, they're going to start meeting tonight at 10.30 p.m. in here in the sanctuary. And Pastor Joannis and his wife Ella that live in Columbus are the new pastors of the congregation. He told me when, uh, he's from Indonesia, from an island called Mataro. He says in his nation, they don't have a lot of food. And sometimes they wonder where their next meal is going to come. Did you ever read Matthew 6? It says, don't worry about what you should wear or what you should eat, where your food is going to come from. You know, in America, we're like spoiled rotten. You know, we don't we don't know what it means to live by faith. He said he said his, his in the village where he used to, he came from, they would pray. The church would pray because they didn't have any food. They would always be eating berries or leaves or bark, just like deer and everything else in the in the wilderness. And one day they prayed. He said, "Then out of heaven, it rained down large fish." Didn't come from the didn't come from all the water around the island. It came out of heaven. The Lord dropped so much fish that they they took as much as they could. They ate as much as they could, and they saved as much as they could. And when it ran out, and they prayed again, it rained fish again. I mean, I have a friend. 
I, I do too. I don't care what rains down, I'll eat it. Even if it's carp, I'll eat it. <laughs> Even if it's smelt, I'll eat it. Even if it's sardines. Amen? Sardines are very good for you. Anyway, I have another friend who was praying one day and she was somewhere in a, minute, in a mission place somewhere and she, she wanted something. She wanted a special kind of bread and she wanted a special kind of you know, lunch meat or something to go on her, her bread. So on the way from leaving the meeting, on the way home to back to her hotel, she was driving and she stopped at the light and she opened her, the Lord says, open your left door. She opened her left door and the bread was sitting right there that she wanted. The brand. Not just any bread, but the brand, the kind she wanted, was sitting right there at the stoplight. The Lord says, pick it up. She picked it up. She put it in the car. It wasn't even open. It was brand new. It was like it was never opened. She went down the road about a quarter of a mile, and there was another traffic light. She stopped, and the Lord says, open your door. She opened her door, and what she wanted in her sandwich was sitting right there. So I'm asking you a question. What do you believe in for? What are you believing for? Are you believing God is able? Or do you believe He's handcuffed? He can't do what you're asking Him to do. He says, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. We don't ask because we're so satisfied and we think all oh, if we want to eat, all well, we just go down the road to uh, Save-A-Lot or Heinen's or Aldi's or Mark's and get what we want. But God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. I mean, I, I, I could tell you, I got stories. I mean, one, I can remember one time we were, when we were young in the Lord and we didn't have a lot to eat at one time. And I said, Lord, I need some money to go buy some food. He said, why don't you just open your Bible to the book of Ephesians? I opened my Bible and there was a $100 bill in there. Yeah? Is God able? Hey. We were going through a tough time, and we remember this story. This is another story. We're going through a tough time, and we needed $5,000 to get through what we were going through. So we were praying. And the Lord says, I want you to go to the mailbox. So I went to the mailbox. I thought he was going to give me my $5,000. Went to the mailbox, opened it up. Nothing there. I went back in the house, started praying some more, and I did that for seven days. Nothing. Eight days, nothing. Nine days, nothing. And I kept praying. I kept asking God. I said, we need, it's, it's very, very, you know, this is the... I know God sometimes doesn't show up to the last second. And so, that last day, He says, go to the mailbox. I said, Lord. I felt like Peter, you know, the guy that was... You know, when Jesus came to Peter, and we'll talk about that in a little bit in Luke 5, and He says, Jesus says... Push out from the land for a great catch. And Peter says, hey, listen. Listen here, Captain. You're, I'm a fisherman. You're not. I've been tearing all night. We have caught nothing. There is no fish in this lake. And what happened? On the tenth day when I went to the mailbox, somebody put a $5,000 check 
in my mailbox who didn't even come to the church. I hadn't seen him for years. He said he was praying and the Lord says, write Pastor Mike a $5,000 check and send it. He and his wife both at this point are in heaven. But they were obedient. I mean, obedience is awesome. God loves obedience. But you have to be plugged in. You have to be, you know, tuned into the right channel. You can't, you know, like on some radios, you get that in the middle of channels, the old AM radios, you know. Sometimes we're not tuned into the right channel. And sometimes we don't listen to God. I remember I first got saved, and this, my pastor, he was an evangelist. His name was Don Isaac. This guy would preach the gospel every time we got together. It was an old Church of God of Prophecy on Wallings Road by 21. And I was, I was in the church, and he was talking about salvation. talking about. So we led this young girl to the Lord, and we're just talking, and t- he's talking and talking. And he said, some of you have to just reach down in your pocket and give something away. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to give your... 1964, that was a nice boat back then, Sea Ray, 100 horsepower. He said, I want you to sell it and give the money to Debbie. I said, what is this Jesus stuff? I didn't sign up for this. I mean, I know a guy named Robert Morris. You might know him too from Gateway Church in Texas. He gives, he gives, gives cars away when the Holy Spirit speaks to him. He gave his brand new BMW away to somebody in his church. And God gave him three other cars for it. So I'm just saying, I gave my boat to that. I sold my boat and gave, him, gave the money I obeyed. And God, God never... It's just, it's just unbelievable. God sees, God knows, and God always does more than we could ever ask or think. Amen? So today we're in a new series because... I was in a series for six weeks called Making Jesus Famous. And so we've been in a Make Jesus Famous series, but today I want to talk about understanding the church and the kingdom age. If you remember from last week, we talked about St. Francis of Assisi. How many remember that? He was a unique individual. In fact, St. Francis was able to talk to the birds talk to the animals in the forest. It was just an incredible thing. And I quoted last week, and then we talked about Numbers 22 where Balaam's donkey talked back to Balaam. How many remember that? Sometimes I think people think that God put stories in the Bible as fairy tales. You know, just like when Jonah, you know, ran away from God and went to Nineveh, and they threw him into the ocean or the sea and a big whale came or a big fish it says came and swallowed him up and kept him in there until he repented and then he went to Nineveh and he had a free ride via the fish to Nineveh and when they got to Nineveh and he was ready the fish puked could you imagine the stink have you ever smelled your puke Man, it's bad. Could you imagine a big fish puke? Whew. Man, that's stinky. I bet he I bet when he was running around that city talking about Jesus, they were going, Man, that boy stinks. <laughs> but in Job, if you ever you can mark this one down, I don't 
I don't think I have this one on there, John. That's okay. But Job chapter 12, I shared last week with this scripture. Job 12, verses 7 through eight, 7 and 8. And I, I read it to you in the Message Bible. And it said this. He says, But ask the animals what they think. Let them teach you. Let the birds tell you what's going on. Did you ever have a pet that you thought you knew that thing talked to you? Did you ever have that kind of a pet? A cat or a dog? Yeah. I mean, I really believe if you prayed a little harder and asked a little more, that little dog would start talking. And he would tell you things, or that little cat would tell you things that you couldn't get anywhere else. Let the birds tell you what's going on. Put your ear to the earth and learn the basics. He goes on to say, listen, the fish in the ocean will tell you their stories. Man, I have caught some fish that wanted to talk to me. They make noises. Isn't it clear that they all know and agree that God is sovereign, that He holds all things in His hand? Every living soul, yes, every breathing creature. Isn't this all just common sense? We were at my brother-in-law's house last night. He's got a little dog named Dee who is a big dog, actually a big golden retriever. And she's in her later years, and she, she walks around the house like she owns it. And I said to my wife the other night, I said, I bet you Dee wants to talk. And I, didn't you sense it last night? She can, her, you know, her, her, when, when uh, one of the kids, when Frank, the, the oldest boy, was talking, was petting her, she was like wanting to talk to him. I said, Frank, he wants, she wants to talk to you. He goes, are you okay, Uncle Mike? I said, let's get our Bibles open. Let's go to Numbers 22. Let's go to Job 12. Amen? Because we're living in a new time where the church is going to look different from how it looks now. God is preparing His sons and daughters to be ready for the biggest harvest the world has ever seen. And it's going to be unconventional. It's not going to be It's like Teresa said earlier. They're just going to walk into the house. Just like I said, they just walked into our building years ago and asked, what must I do to be saved? I mean, that's quoted in your Bible, that phrase. Let's go to Luke. Go with me to Luke. Hi, Luke. Glad you're here, Luke. Glad everybody's here. Luke 5. That's just in case you don't know, it's right after Luke 4 and right before Luke 6. Luke 5. 1 through 11, it says in the New King James, So it was, as the multitude pressed about Jesus, him, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then Jesus, then he got into the, one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep 
and left down your nets for a catch. When Jesus tells you to do something, the worst thing you could do is say, but. What did Peter say? What was the first thing come out of his mouth? But. He, was, he, he, he did not believe. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nothing. Nevertheless, in complete doubt, he says, at your word, I will let down the net. Could you imagine what that scene was like? I mean, these guys were with the creator of the universe. They didn't know who they were with. They were with Jesus who created them. And they still couldn't figure it out. Here we are 2,000 years later in Jesus. We're reading our Bibles and we're wondering, how did this happen? Is this real? How do I, how do I figure this out? What do I have to do to believe this stuff? What does it take? Verse 6, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish so much that their nets were breaking. They could not contain all the fish. They could not contain it. And so they signaled to their partners and the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. I mean, if you put a lot, that's a lot of fish to sink a boat. How many of you got a problem when water starts? If you're in a boat and you're out in the middle of the lake area, you try it. Go get yourself a boat. Go out there. You're okay as long as there's no water in the boat. Amen? But if you have water coming in the boat, even with the number of fish there coming in the boat, you got a problem. I bet they were shaking in their boots. Because it says there in that verse, end of verse 7, so that they began to think they had a problem. They had more than they could handle. See, God is the God of more than enough. He doesn't. He's not the God of trinkles or little pieces. He's the God of more than enough. Just like those Indonesian guys in Matado. It rained so many fish from heaven, they could not contain it. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Because he knew what he was thinking. He thought, this could never be true. Because I toiled all night. I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. We caught nothing all night. And now this guy comes along, sitting in a boat, talking to people about the Word of God, and then he tells me to push out. What? Who are you? You have never fished in your life. I've been a fisherman all my life. I know what I'm doing. If you know what you're doing, Simon, why don't you have any fish? Let's get this party straight here. 
And for he, it says in verse 9, and all who were with him. I'm telling you, you're going to be astonished at what God's going to do in this hour. See, we're entering into a new day, a new era, a new time that's never been before. And when God brings in the harvest and how he brings it in, you can't do it conventional style. You've got to be do it by led by the Holy Spirit. You need to take your little formulas and things that you think God's going to do and throw them in the garbage. Flush them down. And listen to God speak to you. You need some money? Ask Him. I get 5000 when I want to. When we wanted this building, right here, you're sitting in right now, we had $3,000 in the bank. That's all we had. And I said, what are we going to do? I says, I, I just have to do what we've always done before. Let's fast and pray and ask God. I was on the radio t- speaking about the good news of God. Out of the Bible, a guy calls me. He says, I want to help you buy your building. I says, remember that, babe? I said, what does that mean? He said, you just come to my penthouse on the lake on Monday. We'll talk. Never met him before in my life. Didn't even know who he was. Had no idea. Walked into his penthouse. He said, tell me your story about your church. Tell me your story about your need for a building. I want to hear it. He was 89 years old at that time. Had never been here. Gave no money to the church or any church all of his life. Gave his money to big corporations and all kind of, you know, Case Western Reserve, Cleveland Clinic, gave his money away, all the places. He was an inventor, an inventor. And he says, I'm going to help you buy your building with my play money. My play money. And and when I told him the building was $967,000, this building, 21,000 square feet. $967,000. $967,000. He says, I'm going to help you buy it for 600000 He said, what I'm going to do when, before you, after you leave here today, I'm going to call the president of my bank, Key Bank. And I says, he says, where's your account? I says, Dollar Bank. He says, I'm going to wire $300,000 into your bank today. $300,000. Was a little bigger than the five thousand I got in the mailbox. Is God able? Is He the God of more than enough? He says, "Here's what I want you to do: leave it in your account for one month." And He says, "Then go to the bank, and then you, as the church, borrow three hundred. Ask if you could borrow three hundred. I, I talked to twenty pastors. You know what they told me? Banks." hate loaning money to churches because their income is like this. One week, you got a lot of money. The next week, you ain't got nothing. And they says, you're not, you're not a good, you're not good investment. And they're investors. And they're going to look at your records. And if they don't like what they see, you don't get nothing. And I said, Lord, what are we going to do? He said, you just listen to the guy who gave you the 300000 I called my bank. Talked to the vice president of the dollar bank. I said, we have $300,000 in the bank. 
We want to put a bid on a building for 600000 that they're asking 900 We want to borrow 300000 He said, Pastor Mike, you come and see me Friday. I'll give you the money. I have 20 pastors tell me it can't happen. How's that for good safety in a multitude of counselors? Not one pastor, not one, believed it could happen. And God defied all the odds. Gave us the money. Bought the building. And after we were in here for about you know a couple of months, we saw that this building hadn't been painted in 25 years. We needed money. We used all the 300000 to buy the building. But now we had to maintain the building. How do you know that maintenance on a house or a building can take you under faster than the buying the building? So I started praying. I said, Lord, uh, you're going to have to move on somebody. I, what's, what's incredible to me as a pastor, you might can I tell you what's incredible? We had people in the church that were millionaires and wouldn't even give us a penny. But God doesn't need them because God is bigger than anybody in the room. And if He wants to do something for you, He'll do it. I just feel sorry for those kind of people. Because see, in Acts 20, verse 35, Acts 20, verse 35, it says in red, if you have a New King James uh, Spiritual Life Bible, it says in red, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And until you learn that principle, I mean, I can't tell you to do it. I can't make you give. It doesn't come by education. It doesn't come by information. It comes by revelation from God Almighty. And so God is able to do. And Samson, the guy who gave us the 300,000, said, Do you need some? He just called me up and said, Do you need some extra money to upgrade your building? I said, Yes, I do. And he gave us some more money. And he gave us as much as we needed to get this thing in 100% good shape. Whatever it was. There was unlimited supply. Yeah, most of all, he gave his life to Jesus. And when he died at 94, I did his funeral. And he never stepped his foot in this building one time. He was in a wheelchair, couldn't walk. But I would go to his penthouse in Lakewood and minister to him. I'd bring him soup. I'd read him the Bible. Yeah, he would show me all of his inventions on the computer. Led him to Christ. Knew the Lord. Awesome. God is able to do. Amen? And so there's a great harvest coming. Church, are you ready for it? Great harvest. Let's go to Luke 10 as well. I don't know why I'm stuck in Luke so much lately. Maybe it's because Luke's here. <laughs> Luke 10. I don't know how much time do I got left. Oh, still got a half hour. We have a church membership meeting following today at 12 noon. So I'll have to plan everything accordingly there. Luke 10. Let's start in verse... Uh, let's see here. I'm using a different Bible today. So I have to look at... What, oh, verse 38. Luke 10, 38. It says this. It says, Now it happened as they went 
that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into their house. And she had a sister called Mary. Say Mary. What did Mary do? Who also, it says, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But, what did I tell you earlier about that word but? It's a bad word to be using with God Almighty. When God's talking, don't say but. Because he knows what's in your heart at that point. Okay? So, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, Lord Jesus, do you not care <laughs> that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me and make it quick. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Verse 41, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Much of the world today were worried and troubled. Verse 42, But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, that better portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary, who was praised by Jesus for choosing the better portion of the sitting at the feet and listening to the words of Jesus. We can listen to the words of Jesus when we read this book. You know, we have to get in it. We have to know it. We have to study it. Didn't Paul say, study to show yourselves approved? A workman that doesn't need to be ashamed? Study! We've got too many people that are so interested in college, but they don't... This is it. This is your eternal life here. And the Lord's presence must be our portion. Thus we get to understand the undeniable frequencies of heaven for us, His kingdom people in this city and in this season. He who has, the Bible says, He who has an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Church, be encouraged because the best is yet to come. The best. And Jesus always saves the best Wine to the end. Read, Luke, read John 2 about the marriage feast. He didn't give them Mad Dog 2020. He gave them such a wine that they have never tasted. It came from heaven. And how did He get it? He just told them to fill up all the water pots with water to the brim. You don't think them people thought Jesus was wacko? They're probably saying, get the white jacket. This guy's cracked. See, the kingdom of God is here with us, in us, working through us. The Spirit of God is releasing His emerging ecclesia, us, the body of Christ, to shift into the new day to be the first responders to His voice. The first responders to His voice. 
And we are clearly living in one of the greatest seasons in history as God is releasing an extraordinary shift in the earth. You don't think all this stuff that's happened in our world is for nothing? God's involved. Don't be deluded. Don't be deceived. Don't be manipulated by the media. Let's get ourselves ready for this all-inspiring move of God's glory. There is an urgency in this time to fully prepare ourselves as the bride of Christ and to fulfill our God-given mandates as mature believers in Christ, ready for the great harvest that will be suddenly, say suddenly, suddenly upon us. We will be those who enjoy the secret place with Him alone. And you know where the secret place is? It's in you. It's the treasure in you. See, our Bible... Our Bible is a strategic guide for the body of Christ as we run full speed ahead into all that God has for us. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat, like a jet boat or a, a race boat that can do like 90 miles an hour. Ah, uh, Yeah, I, I've been on that guy. My brother had one. And he, when he brought it out, he, he says, watch this, Mike. He put that full throttle down. My 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 face on my face on my body. It was like a wrinkling from the speed of the thrust of that jet boat. I made a mistake as a father at that point. I thought it was so cool. I wanted to bring my son. Big mistake. He was so scared. He wanted to see a boat ever in the rest of his life. He, I thought it was cool. He thought it was <laughs> it was death. You know. But our our Bibles are a must-read for us as we all advance the kingdom and shine bright the light of Jesus in our everyday lives. Without many even knowing it, we have entered into a new kingdom age where the impossible, the impossible, where the impossible will become possible. And where the things you can't see, the invisible will become visible. If you want to know when we're going to get there, we're already here. It's here. It's now. It's not coming tomorrow, next week, a couple of months. It's here now. I don't know about you, but I feel it. I feel it every day. I said, Lord, you have to hold me down. I said, I'm, I, you know, you know my, you, you know my deal. I go three days a week up to Detroit with my brothers. You know, I sit in the car for six, seven hours studying, praying, reading, sleeping, everything. The car is my sanctuary. It's my secret place. I have people in that market, thousands of people in the market come out of the market, come up to the car and talk to me. I don't even invite them. They come to the car because it's a holy place. And the Holy Spirit brings them there. And I talk to them about Jesus. They give their lives to the Lord. They become disciples. They read their Bibles. See, the season is one in which a series of things are happening. We are in a new kingdom age in which the church is realizing something has changed. Something has changed. Because in this new kingdom age, we will declare a thing and it will happen. We will declare it and it will happen. 
Some new things we shall see take place shortly. We're going to see an acceleration of increase and blessings into our lives. Did you hear me? An acceleration. See, God's going to test the church in the kingdom age if they can handle abundance. Because we've done good with poverty. We've done good with being poor and dumb. Now He wants us to be rich, full of wealth, so that anything we would want in our life would not be impossible. How many are ready for some abundance? Just read John 10. John 10, 10. He says, I've come to give you the abundant life. When will you believe it? When will you buy in? When will you believe it? Reach out. Another thing that's going to happen in this new time is reach out to the children and continually bless children. Keep your heart teachable. Able to receive. If it's not there to do that, then get it there. Because the only one that can get it there is you. New seasons of suddenlies and unexpected things in God. And I'm telling you something. Unusual things. Unusual things. Don't you think it would be kind of unusual if you're outside walking down the sidewalk and a, do a dog stops and starts talking to you? Some of you need a dog to talk to you. To wake you up. Because you're sound asleep. You're snoring. You know? Or some little cat comes up your driveway, little feral cat, and you want to kick it, you know, as far as you can kick it, and it just wants to stop and tell you something. Some little secret that you need to hear. In this new kingdom age, there will be a tidal wave, of, tidal wave of His glory. So you need to be intentional. Now, this is something God told me. You need to be intentional to remember the goodness of God in your life. Remember all the things that He's done. Remember how He showed you His faithfulness and His love. Remember that. And stay focused on Jesus. Guard your heart. This is one of my... He told me this, the Lord. I said, you got a sense of humor that's beyond me, I'll tell you, God. He said to me, He said, tell them from me to stay in their lane. Stay in your lane. Don't compare yourself to another person in the body of Christ. Don't be jealous of one other ministry in the body saying you want to be like so-and-so. Stay in your lane. If God called you to be something, then stay there and do it. Don't want to get out that lane. Stay in that lane. Don't try to be anybody that, who God called you to be. No comparisons. And then he said, study and understand stewardship at every level, starting with yourself. Become a good steward of you. Don't try to find out or get things. Just decide that I'm going to be somebody that God wants me to be. Amen? 
And He's going to give us, in this kingdom age, new depths of revelation from the Word of God. They're going to come from the Bible. New depths of revelation. If you don't like King James, well, get the New King James. If you don't like New King James, get the NIV. If you don't like the NIV, get the newest American Standard Bible. If you don't like the New American Standard Bible, get the Message Bible or the Passion Bible or the Mirror Bible. Whatever you want, go get it. Get it and read it. Also in the kingdom, this, this new kingdom age, we're going to see a new focus on faith and a new level of normal. A new level of normal. And number 12, I only put down 12 because this is my short list. God is going to be releasing heavenly wisdom, supernatural wisdom and understanding coupled with counsel and might. I'm going to teach on that topic maybe three Sundays in a row because i got enough material probably to do a month. But this is my short list. So the Holy Spirit is the one releasing the seven spirits of God into this time of history. And these seven spirits of God that I have taught in the past, I've done series at this church on the seven spirits of God. are light years beyond anything we have learned from Pentecostal or charismatic movements of the past. I'm telling you something. The lid's coming off. The lid's coming off with God. He's not going to be messing with a bunch of immature believers. He's going to get all of us matured sons and daughters who know who we are in Christ. Use our, our mouth as a voice. I don't know, have you heard? I have heard... Quite a few politicians lately say this. Take off your mask. I said, what? Take off my mask? He says, take off the mask. Go to church and sing loud. And if your business is not open it, open it. There's not enough jails to contain all the people who would do the right thing. So you know me, I'm, I'm a real conservative guy. When they first said we had to wear masks, and I was at the Heil, Heil Turnpike Plaza, I put my mask on my ankle. I walked into there. We were getting some food at Burger King. Guy comes up to me and says, where's your mask? I said, it's right there. See it? On my ankle. See it? I'm wearing it. It's on. There it is. Now we're down the line and I hear these couple of politicians say, take off your mask. And I said, Lord, what's this about? So last well, it wasn't Saturday. It was Thursday. I was at that same plaza. My favorite plaza on the turnpike. I'm going to tell you where it's at. And, uh, no, it's mile marker 100. There's three plazas on the turnpike that I go to. 139, 177. 100 is my, fav- my famous, my favorite one. And so I'm getting going in because I got some gassing up. I got to go to the bathroom real quick. And to go into the, even to just go to the bathroom, I got to wear a mask. Put on my mask. Okay? I'm walking in there and the Lord speaks to me in the bathroom. 
I says, can I just have some privacy, Lord? Come on, Lord. I mean, sometimes he speaks to me where, you know, things, you know, just, I can't believe it. He says, I got you. You're sitting. You're going to listen now. You ain't moving. And so on my way out, he says, when you get out of here and you open that door to get out of here, take your mask and throw it on the ground. I said, boy, Lord. He said, you put me in bad situations. You make me do things that are not right. Can I just take it off and throw it in the garbage can? He said, uh-uh. You've got to do something for me. When you walk out of that door, you just take your mask off and drop it on the ground. Okay. Did I understand one thing he was trying to teach me or show me? No. Was I obedient? Yes. Because I've learned after knowing him for 40 some years, obedience is better than sacrifice. Hey, am I going to get in trouble? Maybe. I don't know. But my mask is going on the ground, not in the garbage can. Now, when I did that, two people were walking in. They looked at me like I was, you know, a little crazy. But I think it was a message, you know. So God works in people's hearts that I can't, I can't get in there. How many know that? So I'm just telling my story. It does. It releases honor. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. And it's truly one thing to possess the gift called the Word of Wisdom, which is in your Bible, why it is certainly a totally other thing to become completely immersed with the Spirit of Wisdom. One of the seven spirits of God is the Spirit of Wisdom. So we're talking about the gift giver himself. The gifts of the Spirit, the spirit are good. But in comparison to what God wants to do today, He wants to move us to... Upper level. Upper level realities. When we sang deeper still, take me deeper still. He's just not happy with you know us jumping in the pool. He wants us, as Ezekiel 47 says, He doesn't just want us ankle deep or knee deep or waist deep. He wants us swimming in the river. You remember that story I shared a couple of weeks ago about those two deaf people arguing? I remember that story. You don't remember that? So this, these two deaf people were arguing and the wife says to the husband, she goes, see it? You see my fingers? What am I doing? Cutting, she said. Go like this. She's telling her husband who's standing outside. And her husband's going like this. And outside there was this person who says, I understand what they're saying. And he says, what, what are they saying? He says his wife is telling him to cut the grass. And she's telling her to go jump in the river. <laughs> Had to throw that in there. But the Spirit is something, the Spirit of Wisdom. We're going to talk about this supernatural Spirit of Wisdom. And it will be powerful. But we're in a constant flow of wisdom at all times in the life of the believer. We just don't always get it. We're just not always plugged in. But wisdom is an anointing from God. It is tangible and can be imparted. It is literally a divine ability or supernatural enabling 
for learning, receiving, doing, building, and receiving great favor. Can I tell you, God's going to give you abundance. Abundance of favor. How many want some? Abundance of favor. Or you would just rather want to buy into abundance of poverty. It's going to, in fact, it's going to be a test for the new kingdom age. See, true wisdom is not esoteric. It's not intellectualism. It's not theology nor philosophy. Nor is it a Gnostic form of saving wisdom that rejects the work of the cross. Simply stated, wisdom is revelatory in its nature. And it is God revealed to us. See, one of my daily prayers for everyone here is this. May the Lord our God, may the Lord God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father of all, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him in a deeper and complete way. Truth. Truth. Do you know what I'm saying? Truth at an end of a prayer is stronger than amen because that's the equivalent of it. The word amen, in fact, means truth. See, if in some wisdom, if in some wisdom represents the mind of Christ and God, then it is ever speaking about the heart of God because love is the fulfillment of true wisdom. Amen? I'm going to finish this last page and we'll have communion. If you, is anybody ready here to do communion? We'll do it now. Get it ready. Wisdom cannot be earned or learned, but it only can be received and cherished. It cannot be earned. It cannot be learned. It can only be received and cherished. And so we must learn to pray for it daily and embrace it and do what James says in chapter 5. James, we're going to have you here up here pretty soon, uh, Luke. Thank you, buddy. James says in chapter 1, verse 5, If anyone lacks wisdom, what should he do? Ask God. Ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to them. We need to ask more. You know how many times God has chided me in my life for not asking enough? And as soon as I started asking, man, it just started pouring out. I'd like the worship team to come if anybody's here besides Luke and Teresa. He'll be coming back soon. And then in the in First Corinthians one thirty, I think, uh, John, First Corinthians one thirty in the Passion Translation, it says this: For it is not for it is not from man that we draw our life, but from God, as we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. And now He is our God, giving given wisdom. He is our God, given. Wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. Amen? See, Christ Jesus has become our wisdom from God. Therefore, our pursuit of wisdom is tantamount to our pursuit of God Himself. And so how do we get great wisdom? Simply ask. You don't need to be a theologian to ask God for something. Just ask and ask believing. Amen? Let's read that one. James chapter 1, 
I'm going to put that one up, John James 1, New King James 6 through 8. I'll read it up there with you. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Just ask, believe, and receive. Amen? That's it for today. I'll stop there. Put my pen mark there. So Just so you know, I didn't finish my sermon today. <laughs> but we'll start from there. My wife wants to share. I just want to give a testimony while they're passing out communion. You know, talking about the animal in the beginning where he talked supernatural <clears throat> gifts you've given us, Lord. All the gifts of the Spirit, all the fruits of the Spirit are ours in Christ. We thank you for all that you've done. Lord, we just want to remember you. Give thanks. Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Because communion is a proclamation, a sermon, a message 
of what is coming, a glorious time. Let's eat together. And then after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This to as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's proclaim. Amen. I want to sing, go ahead when you're ready.